You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Passages for the study in Romans 7, verse 15, the Bible says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. And I'll pause right there and ask again, can you identify with that? Uh, You know, it's, again, uh, the the wording, the whole section is confusing, but I've said, as as a young Christian, I thought it was confusing to read, but I I remember thinking that I believe it's almost intentionally that way. I think because it is the battle that we face is this way. I'll read that again. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. So what I would like to do, I don't do. But what I end up doing, I hate. Uh, about you know and it's like the things that we get aggravated sometimes about ourselves that we wished that we could change and the 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 good news is that I guess the bad news is that our temperaments we are we can't change what our temperament is but however God can transform our temperament to be used for the positive to be used for his glory and for his honor and, uh, and that's what, where we see if we continue on down. He says, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law warring in my members, or in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And there's more in depth to this than just the temperaments, but I believe there's a, a good lesson about the temperaments in these verses because just showing that battle that we fight. But the good news is, how can we overcome? Because one of the things we've got to be real careful of is excusing our negative behavior by just saying, well, that's just the way that I am. Uh, that, and that, it is an excuse, but it's not a good reason. Uh, why? If, if you're saved, it certainly isn't a good reason. If you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you. We have the Word of God, and so we can't excuse our negative behavior just by saying, well, that's my temperament. Boy, after all, Pastor said, and we've been studying, that, that that's, just, that's the way I was born and it can't change. Uh, well, that's true about temperament, but again, God can transform and does transform uh, those our temperament into a way that can glorify him now just as the apostle paul struggled with does that mean that we'll never struggle with uh you know anger or anxiety uh or uh you know doubting or any of those things ever again no it doesn't mean that it, th- those things just like paul said they keep trying to rear their ugly heads but by the grace of god and through the lord jesus christ we do not have to be controlled by lust and anger and anxiety, laziness, whatever uh, your uh, battle may be. We don't have to be controlled by those things. So 
Uh, with that being said, we're going to get in and start talking about the choleric blends. Now, remember we talked last week about the, or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess, uh, depending on how you look at it, but as we talked about the saying one the, and, and the blends there, because as you study the temperaments, you know, as we go through and just describe each one as an individual thing, everyone can probably pick up on, on ways they identify, but these are even more powerful because the fact of the matter is no one is actually just choleric or just sanguine or just melancholy or just phlegmatic. Uh, everyone is a blend. Uh, and the way we're studying these blends, I'll say before I forget, is on a 60-40 ratio. I say that because not everybody's on a 60-40 ratio, but that's the way we're going to study the blends. But we're all a blend of two different types, two different, um, at least two different, sometimes three, and really, in a sense, even all four. Uh, but it just is normally, you know, there's a very small percentage, for instance, with me that would be choleric, I believe. Uh, but there's a little bit in there somewhere, but predominantly sanguine, then phlegmatic, and then uh, just a little bit of melancholy. But there's two, there's usually two more predominant uh, of the um, temperaments. All right, so we're going to start with the cleric, the other extroverted, the second strongest extrovert among the blends of the temperament. There's what we studied last week, and that's the sanguine cleric. Uh, but this week, we're going to start by looking at the cleric sanguine. Um, and remember, these are the two extroverted personalities. Uh, both are very talkative. Uh, both are very, very talkative. Both try to dominate conversations. But when you are actually a choleric sanguine, you really try to dominate conversations. You really have to get your two cents in. The thing about a choleric sanguine, when they talk, I, I, I'm thinking about an actual, for instance, and we just, we had a real life experience, uh, interestingly enough, just um, about a week or so ago, one of the friends that we had come passing through is a, uh, I can't, I think he's a choleric sanguine, he may, I think he's choleric sanguine, which is what we're studying today, but if not, he's sanguine choleric, he's, he's this blend, uh, and I told Michael beforehand, I said, yes, yeah, he's a good brother, and I said, but he's choleric sanguine, uh, and so we actually came up here to the church early on Wednesday, and, uh, Chad was up here doing some work, and, and, and Michael, and, um, and Connor was up here as well, but, but, so we come up, and it was so funny, because right away, it didn't take uh, my friend long until he started talking, and, uh, and, and, and the choleric side, it can come off a little arrogant, because it's a lot about me, and what I've done, and, and then it's funny, because then you get, in, if you get into a conversation with a cleric, but if it's a cleric sanguine especially, uh, they're the type that's going to try to find a way to uh, subtly or not so subtly, maybe even one-up you in a way. Have you ever known people that one-up you all the time? In other words, it's just like, yeah, man, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it, it was a good day. I, I made 100 bucks. Oh, man, that's great. Man, you want to know what, though? I made 200. Oh, well, good for you. And it doesn't matter what the conversation is. This conversation, I think, was about seeing deaths or something. Yeah, I saw this one. Well, let me tell you about the one I saw. It was even worse than the one you saw. I mean, it's just like that's the, 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 the one of the ways, and, and, uh, and they talk and talk and, uh, and want you to know about their experiences. Because remember, the sanguine is sure that you want to hear all their stories, which I can identify with from my sanguine side. 
And the cleric's kind of the same way. You need to hear about these stories. You know, this, uh, and, and so it's, it, that's one of the ways that you can tell a, sang, a cleric sanguine right away is that they're the person that's doing a lot of talking. If there's the cleric side in there, there may be some one-upsmanship or some cut-downs along the way to try to put you back in your place to remind you of who is uh, on top. And now that's on the negative side of the cleric sanguine which I have a bad, bad tendency. If there's any temperament that I tend to go negative on and go negative on quick, it's choleric. Uh, and it's a weakness of mine. It really is. And so always, I'm just saying that as, a, as full disclosure, always watch me when I start talking about the choleric temperament because I can hit the negative uh, first. Um, and so, uh, and hard. I didn't even mean to. I'm, I'm, I got out of my notes right away. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Choleric sanguins are almost completely given over to activity. And again, that's not a negative thing, right? Uh, it can be, but it's not necessarily. Choleric sanguins are given to over to activity. Uh, most of their efforts are productive and purposeful. Uh, but watch out for their reactions. They, they can become volatile in a moment. They are natural promoters and can sell almost anything. They have enough charisma to attract and get along well with others. And that's where the sanguine side can kind of sometimes temper the choleric uh, dominating side. But the choleric sanguine generally is the alpha person within a large group of friends. Excitable, short-fused, they may be the life of the party and the leader of the game. They usually like to be around people, particularly people who can live up to their need for action and excitement. As long as these people don't get in their way because um, cleric, especially, it's activity. It's always going. It's always doing. It's on to the next thing. Sanguine uh, likes being active as well. Uh, they are quick to act and speak. The cleric's drive to achieve combined with the easy openness of the sanguine can make the cleric sanguine prone to losing their temper and arguing openly without thinking through what they are saying. Uh, they are fairly open with their emotions, but less so when, when it could expose their weakness. And so this is a person that, uh, again, if you ha one of the weaknesses of this temperament is that they can blow up in a minute, uh, prone to anger, prone to uh, temper, uh, and again, very argumentative. This is the type of person that may really, really enjoy arguing. And we'll see, we might see a couple of those with the choleric trait in there, especially we'll get to the cleric melancholy. But uh, they are the, the best at motivating others and thrive on a challenge. They face every new venture with fearless and boundless energy. Their spouses often comment he only has two speeds, wide open and stop. Chlorosans make good courtroom attorneys who can charm the cold-hearted judge and jury and are excellent fundraisers who can get people to contribute what they intend, whatever cause they in, intend to save. They are people who never go anywhere unnoticed and attract friends with no effort. As preachers, they combine both practical Bible teaching and church administration. Uh, and, I, and I'll be the, you've heard me say this before and I'll, I'll say it again, but the blend of choleric sanguine has been the, has been a temperament that I have been prone to envy as a preacher. That I've thought, man, especially early on in my ministry, I thought those guys. Because again, this is the guy. You know, so authoritative and people are just drawn and, and a lot of the big preachers are, uh, especially more in the evangelistic term, um, 
not necessarily on the radio as much uh, these days, uh, and we'll see, I'll say something about that perhaps in a moment, but these are the guys that are, um, you know, they're so bold. They're so uh, matter-of-fact, and, and I remember thinking my, my pastor is very choleric, and he's not choleric saying one, but he's very choleric, but I remember uh, with him, I've, I've told you before how he's one that I really thought that if you're going to be a preacher, you need to be like him. Uh, if, if you know this preacher, though, the, 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 thing, the negative side to where one of the ways, thank God that my choleric pastor actually taught me in Bible college that, hey, God did not call you to be Ronnie Simpson. He called you to be Jesse Haley. You know, and so, I, you know, and so he, he helped me, and I'm so thankful with that because that's actually not the norm these days. There's people that try to get you to be just like whoever the big uh, preacher or the president of the Bible college or the pastor is, uh, but I'm so glad for a pastor that said, God didn't call you to be me. He called you to be you. Uh, but one of the things about these pastors, these are the ones that everything's black and white. Everything's black and white. You know, so like and this, this, this can go a little bit with choleric blends, as other choleric blends as well, but the choleric side just in general, if, if, they, if they all of a sudden believe that it's wrong to have these monitors up on the platform, it's wrong and it's wrong for anybody to do it. It's a sin and you're probably a compromiser if you have them up there. Because everything is so black and white with them. They, there's not a lot of meat in the middle. If, if they've determined something's wrong or right, they're going to stand on that. But again, uh, there's certain things about the choleric sanguine. Because remember, the choleric, they, they don't see failure. They, 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 they don't believe in failure. They don't have doubts as a general rule, the, 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 the choleric side. And so they just believe everything can be conquered, everything can be done. Uh, and then you got that uh, sanguine personality that's loving people while they do it. And I've just thought, man. A lot of energy. Um, I believe that uh, Brother Ruckman, I use him as an example sometimes. I believe he's a sanguine choleric. And you just look at his ministry. Look at the things that he does. And he's just always driving, always pushing. And I admire that uh, now, uh, not to the point of envy. But, um, but anyway, so there's a lot that I admire there on the choleric side. But um, let's see. As, uh, as politicians, a, a choleric sanguine that we're talking about now, the double extrovert, can talk uh, their state into changing consti the Constitution so they can represent the people one more time. Uh, convincing debaters what they lack in facts or arguments they make up in bluff or bravado. I just got to pause right here, and there's a pretty famous person in our country right now that is a choleric sanguine. You want to guess who it is? I've said it before. It's Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not the smartest guy in the room necessarily. But if you, you put the smartest guy in the room debating Donald Trump, Donald Trump's probably still going to win the debate. Why? Because of his bravado. He's going to cut him down. He's going to insult him. He's going to do something. He's going he's to find a way uh, because he wins. And that's, that's what he does. That's what he's done in his life. And so he's a very good example of what it means. But I actually underlined that because when I, when, when I, when I read that, uh, you know, that, 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 that they're excellent debaters, what they like in facts, or arguments they make up in bluff or bravado. Now, that's not to, me, that's not to say that I, that I believe he has no content or that he's not a smart man. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is that he doesn't necessarily need that because of the bravado, of that confidence, of the, uh, you know, the confidence that he exudes. And, uh, and again, one of the things, you know, the, well, anyway, let me, let me just move on. But it's funny. Uh, he's, he's a great example of that. As teachers, they make excellent communicators, particularly in, so, in the social sciences. 
And I'll say that again, the social sciences. A choleric sanguine is rarely drawn to, say, math, science, the abstract, art, anything like that. Um, but it's, uh, you know, more, more active uh, professions or more active uh, teaching and sciences. Their brains are always in motion. The chief weakness of this individual, individual, a choleric sanguine, is hostility. Choleric sanguines combine the quick, explosive ang anger of the sanguine without the forgiveness. Uh, because as a sanguine, um, a sanguine will get mad and just blow up in a hurry. But right away, they feel sorry about it. They want you to forgive them, and they forgive you. They, they move on. Uh, that's, but, but a choleric sanguine can lack the quality of the asking for forgiveness, saying I'm sorry, and of moving on. Uh, that's one of the things that can be tough if, you, if you're a choleric sanguine parent or other choleric blend parent is that sometimes you have a hard time admitting that you were wrong. And, uh, and, and or, or, or wife, or if you work for a choleric uh, sanguine boss, uh, they may have done wrong, they may know they've done wrong, uh, but they're not gonna come and say, hey, I'm sorry that I did you wrong there. I'm sorry that I put you in a, you know, I'm sorry that maybe uh, the agreement that we made in your initial interview and when we uh, got your contract together, that that hasn't come together, they're probably not gonna apologize for that. Now, they, they can make ways, that they'll have ways of trying to show that they're sorry without actually saying it. But uh, it, it can be a challenge as a choleric, sanguine uh, leader, whether it's husband, wife, parent, uh, boss, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, so they, they combine the quick, explosive anger of the sanguine without the forgiveness and the long-burning resentment of the choleric. The choleric, they, they'll hold something against you. They remember what you did. They remember the slight. They, they hold on to that. This is the one personality type that not only gets ulcers, but also gives them to others. Um, all right. So uh, they're impatient with those who do not share their drive and energy. Uh, it's tough for a choleric sanguine to see somebody that's not giving it their all, all the time. Uh, the choleric sanguine coach, and that's a very common coach, especially old school coach. It's interesting how that, that some of that's changing in our day, but uh, the, the typical coach is a choleric sanguine, maybe choleric melancholy. Um, but, uh, man, but they don't have, they have very little patience for those who do not share their drive and their energy. They pride themselves on being brutally uh, or sarcastically frank. Either brutally frank or sarcastically frank. Um, and it just depends. Uh, because for them, there's, they value honesty. And so for them, they're doing you a favor and they pride themselves on just telling you exactly what they think. It hurts your feelings. Don't matter. It's the truth, or it's at least it's my truth. They, they may be ones who subscribe to my truth uh, because what they're saying is right. But it, anyway, uh, it's it's difficult for them to concentrate on just one thing at a time, which is why they often enlist others to finish what they start. Uh, they are opinionated, prejudiced, impetuous, um, <laughs> and inc inclined doggedly to finish products that probably should not have been started in the first place. But they've started it and they're going to finish it. Uh, and, uh, it, it, it but, but if controlled by God, they are apt to do anything. Uh, or or they, they are apt to, I'm sorry, if controlled by God, if not controlled by God, I apologize, if not controlled by God, they are apt to justify anything they do. Because they can reason out why it's right. Because 
One of the struggles on the choleric side especially is this pride because you know you're right. You know that the way you, the way you see the world, you know that is just period the way it is. And it's hard to be reasonable and it's hard to listen to the other side. Now this isn't the only stubborn temperament, but choleric can, uh, if not controlled by God, can justify just about anything they do and rarely hesitate uh, to manipulate or to walk over other people to accomplish their ends. Um, again, sadly, this, do, this does describe, this is the type of person that can make it to be a CEO and then be the person that you hate working for. But at the same time, you can't help but to admire to a certain extent because of their great success and how hard they've had to work and what they've had to overcome to get there. Uh, and you admire what they accomplish. You admire their drive. You admire their work ethic. Uh, but man, sometimes you can't stand them. Uh, and you see, you see the way that maybe uh, you start looking back and you see people maybe they have uh, manipulated, people they have stepped over uh, to get to where they are. So again, that's the choleric, sanguine blend. Uh, double extrovert. Uh, Okay, I need to get through this one, man. It's going on forever. Uh, choleric sanguine struggle with subtlety. For example, what, they, um, what may appear to be uh, ostracizing someone they have argued with by talking to someone else is more likely to be them dealing with a strong urge to vent to someone while struggling to forgive the other person. If they apologize, it may come, it may come across as forced. You know, there's just some things that aren't natural. All of our temperaments, we have things that we should do that's not natural for us to do. You know, God's not always concerned about our comfort levels when it comes to these things. For instance, we may be a phlegmatic uh, or a melancholy that's called on to make a decision and lead. We may be called on in certain instances to do that. We're not comfortable with that. Uh, we may be, as, as a sanguine, called on to make a decision right now that is not going to be popular with the majority. Sanguine doesn't want to do that, but sanguine has to do it. Uh, choleric may have to ask for forgiveness, but the point of the matter is, is it's difficult. It's hard for them, and that's why when they're asking for forgiveness, if they try to apologize, it may seem like it's forced. Uh, and... Uh, and the cleric may be the one that apologizes, and I've used this illustration before, but sometimes the cleric, uh, let's go back into the melancholy side a little bit too, but the cleric could be the person that's uh, apologizing for what they said or what they did, but, you know, you shouldn't have said what you said. You know what I mean? You ever had anybody apologize to you like that? You know, I'm, I'm sorry I blew up at you, but my goodness, you were doing this, this, and this the whole time. I mean, what do you expect? Well, thank you for that humble apology. I mean, I, I just feel our relationship is totally restored now that, I, that you're apologizing for it all being my fault. I mean, uh, but it, it could just be a challenge. Um, for choleric sanguine or any of the choleric blends, uh, some more than others. Um, okay, uh, most choleric uh, sanguines get so engrossed in their work that they neglect family and friends, even lashing out at them if they complain. So this is where it goes into especially marriage or friendships, uh, home situation. A wife married to a choleric sanguine became, become, becomes an emotionally shell-shocked woman who feels unneeded and unloved. She usually admires him 
fears him and is, in, is, and is resentful toward him all at the same time. When the children grow up, she may leave him uh, because he has made her a non-person. Once he comprehends the importance of his love, uh, his love and approval to his family, however, he can learn to love them as individuals and transform his entire household. Again, we're talking about the weaknesses and the strengths, right? So that's on the weak side, overworking, but a cleric sanguine, again, can say, you know what, maybe it is important because especially the cleric side of people can be, remember, it's more task-oriented. It's more get this done. And so, but God can help them to remind them that they're, how important their husband or their wife actually is as a person and say, you know what, maybe I don't need to put in these. Maybe I don't have to finish this project today. Maybe I can go out to eat tonight. Maybe we can take a day and just do something with the family uh, today. Uh, and, uh, but but it's, it's, it's a challenge for a cleric to see that. But by God's grace, they can. Uh, cleric sanguine wives often make preoccupied lovers who need to realize uh, their husband's need for their affection. James, the author of the New Testament epistle, uh, could well have been a choleric sanguine. It's pretty cool when you look at the way God, the, the word of God is inspired, but it's cool how God will use people's personalities to inspire his word. And what God spoke through James, I think, was came pretty natural to James, and that is faith without works is dead. I believe God. Yeah, but what are you doing? Are you doing something? Remember, that's clear. What are you doing? What's your activity? How much of it are you doing? Uh, it's, uh, it's like the, the cleric side. I, I've already told this about Melanie so many times, so I'll say it again. She's not cleric sanguine, but the, the cleric side. Uh, G, Jesus actually said this, right? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's actually a line Melanie's used on me a number of times. Uh, tongue in cheek. Uh, please understand me, tongue in cheek, but, uh, but I, she hadn't done it in years, probably because I've told it on her so many times, but she used to do it a good bit. Honey, I love you so much. See, I mean, I'm, I'm being emotional and I'm being, you know, affectionate, you know. It's like, she says, well, if you love me, keep my commandments. What have you done for me? Which shows, shows also the love language of acts of service more than words of affirmation for a person with that choleric temperament. But that's the thing. It's like, do you? I believe God, do you? And obviously that's a, that's a, that's a logical uh, thing, but faith without works is dead was a favored concept of the work-loving uh, choleric James. He, James used practical and logical reasoning of a choleric. Uh, and again, uh, practical, logical, that's the way a choleric thinks. Obviously a high, highly esteemed man of God one, uh, one human weakness he discusses, interestingly enough, in James 3 is the fire of the tongue and how, how no one can control it. And I think that's interesting because God shows through James that idea, God's idea, God's truth, God's word, that faith without works is dead. But that is a very choleric idea, if you will. But then that's in chapter 2 of James, chapter 3 of James, he talks about a weakness of the choleric, and especially the choleric sanguine, and that is the fire of the tongue, the inability to control the tongue, the, the hurt and the death and the pain that can be brought, brought about by the power of the tongue. Control the tongue. Again, not easy for a sanguine, not easy for a choleric, really not easy for a choleric sanguine or sanguine choleric. But by God's grace, amen, I thank God through Jesus Christ, the tongue can be controlled. Uh, 
I know we're talking about choleric, but I'll just say this. If you're choleric and you have a problem with your tongue and what you say, because this goes to, the, if you're sanguine, you can as well. And I just want to say how God has helped me some with what I say. Uh, and if you know me, you may think, really? Uh, you, you used to be worse? And I'm like, yes, a lot worse. But, but just even little verses, and you've heard me uh, quote this verse in this context before, but how that the Bible says that a fool is, the Bible has a lot to say about your words and the tongue. You ought to look it up. But the Bible says uh, that a fool is known by as much speaking. I've shared that one with you before. But that convicted me uh, because I was like, you know, I need to, and the Bible talks about what? Be, be slow to speak. Amen. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Uh, these are good verses for a choleric and a sanguine. Be slow to speak. Uh, quick to think, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Um, don't just blow up. Uh, you know, and, and, and for a choleric, a sanguine may be able to take this advice better than a choleric because a choleric doesn't like advice, especially unsolicited advice. Um, but like the old thing of like counting to 10 or, or try to do something, try to have, try to put some kind of buffer between your brain and your tongue, uh, but so that you don't just say something to where you have something to where you stop and even pray. I used to really count to 10. I heard that, you've heard that probably before too. Count to 10. If you're angry, you're about to speak, count to 10. And I used to do that, and I don't actually count to 10 anymore, uh, but I'll say, okay, Lord, you know, and I'll probably say at least a 10-second prayer uh, to help me say, and so it'll just kind of go like this. Um, yeah. Thing is going to let that go. Don't need that. Doesn't need to be said. If it needs to be said, it doesn't need to be said in that way. Uh, so James, I believe, uh, is a good example of a choleric sanguine, and it's interesting how that God shows both the strength and the weakness of a choleric sanguine in that regard. Uh, a choleric sanguine's victory over uh, cruelty and sarcasm is something that God can bring about. Uh, and, and again, cruelty and sarcasm, because uh, sarcasm, that's another one. Sarcasm can be, how many of you love sarcasm? I like sarcasm. I'm sarcastic. I think sarcasm, sarcasm can be fun. Sarcasm is humorous, right? But what it can be. But what else can sarcasm be? Very hurting. Very hurting. Uh, and the Bible addresses sarcasm. Did you know that? Uh, the Bible says, uh, oh man, I wish I'd have got the verse down, but it, it says in the, in the book of Proverbs, I believe it says, woe to the man. But God has a warning against the man that comes at his brother casting hot firebrands. I mean, so, so you just imagine me coming at you, throwing burning hot steel and iron at you. Just coming right at you. And then he says, am not I in sport? Am not I in sport? We don't use that terminology very often. I'm just joking with you, man. Just kidding. You got to watch that. Because what you can do is you can lie to yourself about it when it comes to sarcasm. You can even try to lie to yourself. Oh, I was just kind of joking. I mean, have you ever done that? You, you have somebody do that and it's just like, oh, that's hilarious. Preacher, that's a good message, but it'd been a lot better if you'd have studied more. Just kidding, brother. Oh, <laughs> I'll get that later, I guess, you know, or, uh, I mean, or, you, you, and, and, and there's a lot worse, isn't there? Husbands and wives can do it, and we justify it, just joking, and we can, hey, hey, let me ask you this, I'll, this is, we'll, we'll do confession time, all right? Has anybody ever tried to cut somebody right to their core using sarcasm? Yes. 
besides me, all right? Thank you. A few of you. Uh, yes, and because and, it doesn't just go into cleric and sanguine. This can go into some of the other. It, it's, it can be... It can be a pretty passive-aggressive way, and cholerics aren't known for being passive-aggressive. They're just normally aggressive, but on the sanguine side, a lot of times it can show up, or even choleric mixed with the other blends can also come across as a uh, sarcastic cut. I'll just warn you against sarcasm. Don't be sarcastic if you're just really trying to hurt somebody. Sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm can be fun. You know, somebody said about humor that, you know, it's, uh, what is it? If there's no truth to it, it's not really funny, right? Um, and so uh, it's okay to be sarcastic. I believe God has given us, we can read prophets in the Bible that were sarcastic, but just be careful. If you're trying to hurt somebody, maybe you just need to say, you know what, Lord, help me. I've been a, sometimes it can be I'm offended by this person. Maybe it can be this person hurt me. So I'm going to hurt them back. Uh, you, I've told you this story before. Not all of you have heard it. And there's people listening online uh, or that will listen online. So I'll just make one more confession. i got to say this quick. I remember, I remember when God first showed me that thing about sarcasm, you know. And it, by the way, would anybody mind looking, looking that verse up for me? I'd like to have a reference for that verse. Uh, I know it's back, uh, am not I in sport? If you just look that up and which verse says am not I in sport, uh, you'll find uh, that verse for me if, you, if, if anybody would be willing to do that while I talk. But I remember the first time I really saw that verse. Uh, I, I was pastoring in Pierre, and it was the funniest thing because I was teaching on a Wednesday night, uh, and I was just teaching on a, on a Wednesday night, and... Uh, I had just got through teaching what I just got through saying to you. And not, not, not probably a minute after I got through saying it, there was a lady, uh, and she was the type that could always chime in, and she, could, she was so blunt, she was very choleric, I believe she is choleric melancholy, but she was so blunt, and she would always speak up and point something out, and, and it was, she was a blessing. She, she was so smart, she knew so much, but sometimes she'd be rude. So she spoke up, and as far as I'm concerned, just spoke up right in the church service and said something rude. So what I do? Well, I didn't want to be out and out rude back. So you know what I did? I can't remember what I said, Ron, but whatever it was, I said something sarcastic, meaning to hurt her. I took a shot at her, and it wasn't a minute. Now I think Melanie called it, called, called me out on it, like after the service. She was like, "You just," she was like, "No sooner than you got through teaching about." being sarcastic and hurting somebody, uh, you did that to Denise, if she's listening, and then you said, what did I say? Just joking. Okay, Doria, I know a few people have it, but. Okay, Proverbs 26, 18 and 19, and would you mind reading that so we can get the right words? That's a lot better than the way I try to quote it. Uh, hey, man, I mean, firebrands, arrows, and death is what he's actually throwing, but he deceives his neighbor or his husband or his wife or his friend or uh, someone in his church, a fellow brother or sister, by saying, am not I in sport, just joking. Okay, uh, any, any thoughts on that before we move on? I know uh, covered a lot or said a lot, but anyway, as a... 
Cleric Sanguine has any temperament, we can learn from being careful on that sarcasm. Okay, uh, Beast, I, I, I don't want to discourage you from being sarcastic. I, I, I don't think I'm wrong in that. I think sarcasm is so much, I love it. Uh, but anyway, all right, so we're going to move on from the Cleric Sanguine and move to the Cleric Melancholy. Um, the Cleric Melancholy. These are the most task-oriented of all the temperament blends because melancholy is task-oriented. Choleric is task-oriented. Phlegmatic and sanguine are both more people-oriented. Uh, can I give you a good example of this real quick? And it's, it's bad because Melanie, Melanie and Evan always like to call out times they feel like I'm glorifying the, the sanguine phlegmatic or something. Uh, and that, this is what this is going to come across as, so just bear with me. But I just, I just think about this scenario. This is me yesterday. Uh, I spent the morning studying. Uh, I thought that I would get, uh, we were going to go look at uh, <laughs> the coolest, creepiest place ever at 2 o'clock in Akron. I can tell you more about that later. Uh, Hannah's got videos. But anyway, um, uh, okay, it was a house. But that used to be a funeral home. Just so you don't, just so you're about like, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, so I had to be there at 2, so I knew I needed to leave around 1.30. So I basically had an hour to paint. In an hour, I could get, for what I had to do, I could get a decent section painted, uh, or at least a little bit, because the way I'm going with this project, every, every little hour helps. Because if you've noticed, I've had scalping up around my house for the last two years trying to paint it, uh, you would think. But anyway, uh, so every little bit I get on, it helps. Uh, well, I go out, I've got an hour, okay, so let's go out there, let's get at it. Uh, okay, now, this is where a task-oriented person comes in. What are they going to do? Uh, they're going to get it done. Melancholy, probably would have had it planned out better, studied that night, maybe got an early start that morning anyway. But Because Melancholy probably wouldn't start it, but they had an hour to go. Like, how can you do that, right? Uh, but for me, I'm sanguine phlegmatic. So I'm just like, okay, bam, but I'm going. I'm like, get the, got the scaffolding set up. I'm starting to get my other stuff set up. Then all of a sudden, Evan and Connor, Evan's been wanting to go golfing. Um, and I've been wanting to go golfing. Uh, but so he's like, hey, you think we could go play 18 today? And I'm like, buddy, I wished I could, but I cannot. Uh, but, uh, and I didn't go. Don't, don't, you don't have to judge me on that. I didn't go. I couldn't have gone. I had to be an Akron at two. And I'm terrible at time management, but, but I knew that I could not play 18 in an hour. Uh, I'm not that good, believe me. Uh, so uh, and, instead, Evan and Connor, I was like, man, I said, you go with Connor. Uh, so Evan got my clubs, but he hasn't played, you know, he's, I don't know if he's played a dozen times in his life, and I haven't played a whole lot more than that myself, but I got my clubs out, and, and we had the little, uh, the little wiffle balls that are like golf ball size, and, and so I was just like, well, buddy, if you go out, you know, I just thought, well, if he goes out, it would be good, you know, just to, so what did I do? Instead of painting, I said, you know what, I think instead, I'm going to, to me, because to me it's more important, because it's not about the task, it's about a person. So now I'm going to spend a little bit of time with my son, and we're going to go out here, and we're going to hit some of these wiffle balls. So here I'm in my work clothes, just set the scalping up, everything's ready to go, and here I'm out in the yard hitting, hitting wiffle balls with golf clubs. Now, you could put it that way, but another way you could put it is I'm very relational, so I get to spend some time with my son out hitting little wiffle balls around the yard. And that was more important to me than getting an hour worth of painting done. Um, but I was just thinking about that as a way of, a choleric and a, and a melancholy, those two, it's not that they don't love people. Don't misunderstand me. It's not that you don't love people. But it's this, if there's a task to get done, we can love after we have the task done. 
I would love to do this with you, but let, I'll get this done. Then we can go golfing. Uh, uh, you know, on a, they, they, but uh, task-oriented. Okay, so let me uh, just, again, it sounded like I was lifting myself up because I believe that was a good thing. I'm, I, I'm not ashamed of doing that yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, there's times that's not a good thing because there can be something that needs to be done and, oh, look, there's so-and-so. Uh, I'll go visit with them, you know, and that's an important thing. But sometimes it can be things that maybe ought to be done. Uh, Tasks uh, task are not at the top, at the top of a phlegmatic or a sanguine's list. Um, but a cleric, uh, melancholy are more task-oriented, again, which is actually an awesome thing. Um, can be an awesome thing. They work to the bone to achieve their goals. Uh, cleric melancholies may be able to handle being around people, but can enjoy solitude. They may be pickier than the cleric sanguine about the company they choose. Finding work easier than play. So they would find it easier to paint the house that's productive than to go play golf because that's wasting time. Uh, for instance, I mean, or whatever the case may be. They are often argumentative. Now, this is the cleric saying, when this is 60% cleric, 40% melancholy, uh, you'll see some relations here. We're going to later study the melancholy cleric, which will be 60%, and so you may see some of this come out in here. They are often argumentative, but they are more likely to dominate an argument with both force and fact. Force. They'll talk louder than you. Uh, they, they'll push it but the that's the cleric side the, the melancholy side will add fact then they'll explode openly only to falter over something they have not thought through because that cleric's just pushing it on through despite this cleric melancholies may be emotional and insecure inside but may not find it easy to show it I know this is true about melancholy clerics we're talking about cleric melancholy but the tough thing sometimes about a cleric melancholy is they can dish out some punishment, man. They can be sarcastic. They can hit you. They can give you a hard time all day long. You try to say one thing to them, you know, in jest. Uh, that melancholy side sticks, kicks in. And in other words, a lot of times they can dish it out a whole lot better than they can take it. They can dish it out all day long. And the moment, the moment you say, uh, the, the, the moment it finally hurts your feelings, and you, you see it hurts, your, you, you show, well, that was kind of hurtful. You, you're not laughing anymore. Come on, you know, come on, that was a little bit too far. Really? Come on, I was just joking around. What's wrong with you? Can't you take it? And they may even laugh at you for uh, being hurt about it. Oh, look at you. Uh, isn't that awful? I'm tough on clerics. Y'all forgive me. But, but again, you give it back, and they can't take as much as they can give. If they are your friend, they may show they care through actions rather than communication. This goes, I want to say quickly, to love languages. Again, a cleric melancholy is not just going to spill how much they love you and how beautiful you are and how great you are and how much they appreciate you. But what they'll do is they'll do things for you. Acts of service, maybe, get, uh, uh, maybe uh, you know, uh, giving gifts or something. They will try to do things to show you, you know, because you may say to a cleric melancholy, and this can go with cleric in many ways, but, uh, you know, man, you, you never say you love me. But, yeah, but look at all I do for you. You know, that, that's the way they try to express love. And, and by the way, that's why we've got to, uh, one of the big, big lessons I want to take away from all of this that we study is to be 
is to learn to give one another benefit of the doubt and to understand that not, we don't all see the world in the same way. If, we love some, if I love someone, there's a certain way I'm going to express that love. It's going to be through words. It's going to be through hugs and handshakes and pats on the back and things like that. Uh, and so if I'm not careful, I'll think that's the way everybody expresses love. And so if you're not giving that to me, you must not love me. But that's, that's, that's uh, a very uh, failed, uh, and there's a big fallacy in that, I'm saying. Because, again, the choleric melancholy, they love you. That's why they're faithful. That's why they're determined. That's why they serve. That's why, you know, that's why they uh, get the oil changed in your car. That's why they wash the car. You know, it reminds me of the husband and wife and, and the wife saying, literally, they were going to get marriage counseling. And, and the wife says uh, to the marriage counselor, it's like, I don't, I don't know if he loves me. And he's like, what do you mean? I don't love you. And she's like, you never want to just, you never want to sit on the porch with me and sit on the swing. Just wasting the afternoon away for a choleric. You never want to just go for a walk. Uh, in other words, what, what, by the way, so this woman, you know, she's, she's melancholy, phlegmatic. She's maybe sanguine, but whatever it is. But guess, she, she, she likes quality time. But quality time for a choleric is working. And so the husband says to her, Honey, I've washed your car every Saturday for the last 20 years. I keep the oil changed. I keep it clean. I work hard and make sure money goes to help and to give you a good life and let you go shopping. And that, so you see, that's the breakdown sometimes. I, I'm an active person, the cleric says. Therefore, I am doing something. But this person over here, but we've got to both learn what love looks like. And we do both have to make an effort to say, okay, I'll sit on the, I'll make a deal with you. I'll sit on the swing with you for this amount of time. But believe, because for a cleric, it is driving them nuts. A cleric melancholy, driving them crazy. This is not productive. There's things to be done. But let me tell you something, cleric melancholy, there's always things to be done. There's always things to be done. There will always be things to be done. But I'm telling you, the moments with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your friends, uh, those moments are fleeting. So find a balance in there. Find a balance in there. Um, and so again, they, they may show that they, they care or that they love through actions rather than the communication. They can be fiercely devoted to, their close, uh, to causes close to their heart and are unlikely to ever waver in defending them. The person who is 60% um, cleric, 40% melancholy, is extremely industrious and capable. The, the optimism and practicality of the cleric overcomes the moodiness of the melancholy, making the cleric melancholy both goal-oriented and detailed. Again, this is a person that accomplishes a lot. Such an individual usually does well in school, possesses a quick analytical mind, yet is decisive. Because remember, melancholy is not very decisive. They're quick, they're very quick and analytical, uh, but to make a decision is often not the easiest thing. The cleric melancholy develops into a capable leader, the kind you can always count on to do an extraordinary job. This is the person, this is the type of lawyer who you'd want, uh, uh, want as a defense attorney. The cleric melancholy makes an excellent debater and can remember most details with precision. In fact, never take on a cleric melancholy in a debate unless you're assured of the facts uh, or you'll walk out as mincemeat. 
Caloric melancholies are extremely competitive and forceful. Their battle strategy, go for the jugular. They are usually successful no matter what kind of business they pursue. The brilliant chief surgeon of a great California hospital uh, could be also a great and extremely capable Bible teacher. This temperament probably makes the best natural leader. General George S. Patton, the great commander of the U.S. Third Army in World War II, who drove the German, Army, uh, German forces back to Berlin, was probably a choleric melancholy. Uh, and if you don't know much about Patton, study a little bit about Patton, man. That dude, uh, we need more Pattons. Matter of fact, they were, they were done with Patton not long after World War II because uh, they didn't want that kind of, they don't really want that kind of leader necessarily, but sometimes that is the kind of leader that we need. Choleric sanguine, he went for the jugular, uh, he drove hard, he pushed hard, uh, and he got a lot done. Uh, but he's also kind of a jerk sometimes, but anyway. Uh, but again, he, he got it done. Equally as great as their strengths are their weaknesses. Choleric melancholies are apt to be autocratic dictators who inspire admir admir admiration, admiration, am I saying that right? Anyway, uh, and hate at the same time. They are opinionated and rarely hesitate to express what they think, whether you want to hear it or not. They love an argument, even arguing against their own spouses, just to argue, just to argue. And they may not even think of it as arguing, they're just talking. Uh, but from our perspective, it is arguing. Uh, and, and, and again, funny, I've, I think of friends of mine like this. Literally, I, I got a friend back in North Carolina and he loves to argue. And the funny thing is, I don't love to argue that all that much, but I really like arguing with him. But we have got, and he's, we've gotten arguments. And again, on my side of things, I've, as a sanguine, I start getting a little worked up about it. And I start getting a little emotional. Man, I don't see how you could. And, and, we, and, and me, he and I, I bet we've sat and debated. I remember one time we sat, and, I don't even know what time of night it was. Our poor wives were sitting there wishing to God that we would shut up. And, uh, uh, and, and there they are, and here we are, arguing, arguing, finally, and then we get done with the argument. You know what he says? No, I believe just like you did. I just wanted to see what you would say. Just wanted to see what you'd say. I just wanted to, just honestly. And I'm like, you booger. I was like, man, I'm, I was all worked up. And then uh, it was just kind of cool for him, you know. And, uh, but anyway, they, they can like to argue. Um, Let's see. Uh, they're usually quick-witted talkers whose sarcasm can devastate others. We've already talked about sarcasm. Uh, they are, uh, they not only wound people, they destroy them. And again, I think of Patton being an example of that. They are natural-born crusaders whose work habits are irregular and long. Uh, cleric melancholies can harbor considerable, uh, goodness gracious, considerable hostility and resentment. Unless they enjoyed a good love relationship with their parents, they find interpersonal relationships difficult, particularly family relationships. Uh, choleric melancholy parents can be overly strict disciplinarians. They combine the hard-to-please tendencies of the choleric and the perfectionism of the melancholy. And we'll see this on the flip side. Again, that's a tough combination as a parent. Hard-to-please and a perfectionist. Um, one such father, a super salesman, ordered his 15-year-old son to spend all daylight hours in his room for an entire summer for getting poor grades. Uh, I think about my dad. I, uh, I appreciate, by the way, I appreciate my dad. I believe he was melancholy choleric. 
um, which God has just put melancholy clerics in my life, my whole life, and, I, and I'm better for it. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, if my, if my dad spoke it, he may speak it in anger. But once he speaks it, it's like the, the king of the Persians or something, man. It's law and it cannot change. You're grounded for three months. You're not coming out of your room except to go to school. You come home right to your room. And now my room didn't have a video game. It had a, you know what game it had? It had a basketball hoop uh, with the foam basketball and Louis L'Amour books. Louis L'Amour books are great if you like to read, but I'd rather somebody stick a nail in my finger than read, especially at that age. And, uh, and, and so, but, but by the way, so, so guess, guess what? My dad said I was granted in my room for three months. Guess how long I was granted in my room? For three months. He didn't speak it and then change his mind. It did not matter. Very, very strict. If he said it, it went. Uh, and by the way, on the Louis L'Amour books, I believe this is probably on the melancholy side, uh, he, uh, I had to read Louis L'Amour books every night, and I had to give a book report every night. On the Louis by the way, I ended up appreciating Louis L'Amour. Um, uh, and those books, but anyway, that was my melancholy choleric dad. We're talking about choleric melancholy. Uh, I'm going to have to stop. We'll, we'll finish this uh, blend next week. Uh, any questions or comments before we uh, dismiss? Can you tell I get harder on the cholerics? It's, it's just a... And now, some of it I want you to know, as you can tell, a lot of this I'm just reading, so it's not... Uh, I didn't write uh, hardly any of this. I'm just going by this study. Uh, but I, but I feel like the notes get hard on a cleric, but even sometimes they'll start describing a positive attribute of a cleric. But I'll, I'll start taking it to the negative. It's just a weakness of mine. Um, so you clerics, I was going to ask you to forgive me, but I know it's going to be hard for you, but forgive me. Yes, Doria. Yeah. They, they, can't, they, they can be very comfortable by themselves, but they generally, they like people. Uh, they just are people. The sanguine is an outgoing people person. The phlegmatic is, a, is a, more of an introvertish, introvertish people person. Um, you know, I, I think Hannah's a good example maybe of that. Her phlegmatic side, because she's phlegmatic, melancholy. But you can, you can see she's a people person she she likes being around people she she's not loud and boisterous about it uh but yeah they are very relational but it's the melancholy side that again as we get into them you'll see that there's some of these that kind of mimic each other especially on the the, the introverted side there's some of the qualities that are similar but uh even though a, a phlegmatic can enjoy time by themselves and they do uh they're still love people um yeah, they would, they would rather be around people. They're more relational. And again, that's not always the greatest thing. Uh, you, by the way, you look at fellowships that we have around here. Who's the people in the kitchen cleaning and working? Who's the people out here talking when stuff probably should be cleaned and worked? No, because who? I'm out here talking, uh, right? Because... Uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, oh, I see, I see, I see. Uh, but that's not always the case. But, but the funny thing is, you think about it, and it all works, doesn't it? Just imagine having a fellowship, because it can be hard for you. If you're a melancholy choleric, you see that the floor needs to be clean, the tables need to be put away, all this stuff needs to be done in the kitchen, or, you know, if we're out at the park or wherever it's at, all this stuff needs to be done. 
and then you're looking around, and there's old pastor yapping his jaws. Pastor, it's 8 o'clock. Service has been over for an hour and a half, and there's still an hour worth of work to do. And you're over there talking, right? Uh, now, because that's what you can think. Uh, or I can be thinking, hey, Melanie, quit the cleaning. Come visit. Look, there's somebody that we haven't met before. You know, here's so-and-so. Let's visit. Pull up a chair. And I might as well just said something bad about her mom when I say that, you know. Pull up a chair and sit. You mean when there's things to do? But think about it. It wouldn't be good if we were all out here visiting. And it wouldn't be good if we were all in the kitchen working. And that's the thing that Melanie has said to me before. She's like, I, you know, I, that's where I'm comfortable. I like to work. I like to get things done. And I'm glad that there's other people that can do the visiting and the talking. Right? And so it works together. It works in a home. It works in a church. Um, all right. I know there's folks back there waiting to come in. That's why I tried to stop sort of short. All right. We'll see you back in. We'll try to get started right at 11, Lord willing. Six minutes. No, don't give you too much time, but stretch your legs. Go pray for me.